Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. If you're listening to the show live for the first time, the reason I say good morning, afternoon, and evening is because we are live on iHeartRadio So I don't know what time zone people are listening in. They could be in California. They could be in Europe. They could be anywhere. Plus, this show goes to podcasts and is listened to in over 30-some-odd countries around the world. So on podcasts, you don't know what time of day it is. So I want to welcome people where they are. And, you know, as I think about just that phrase, welcome people where they are, that plays even more critically in the world as we're seeing it today in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis and people not knowing what to do with their businesses, how to be in life, how to express themselves. And the important thing to remember is everybody is at a different point in their personal lives, in their business lives, and life and business as we know it is not the same. So remember to be kind to yourself and meet yourself mm. you are. And listen to the show because we have amazing, amazing people on the show, like my guest today, Marcella Allison, who I got introduced to by Brian Kurtz. And one of the things that has become very, to me, very upfront is how some businesses have begun changing their marketing and other ones think it's still business as usual. The way they're Mm -hmm. writing copy acts like nothing's changed in the world. They're not meeting people where they are. They still want things to be the way they were. And my guest today, Marcella Allison, the reason I had to have you on the show, Marcella, is because (laughs) you get it. You understand how important words are to help a business grow. I mean, you've been a copywriter forever, right? You've won awards. You've directed some of the largest campaigns ever done in the world. And you have this beautiful mentoring group for women called Titan Eyes. So I, I just, I love the fact that you've agreed to be here with me and help my listeners understand how to reframe in the current crisis. Oh, Laura, thank you for having me. I've loved our conversations, and this is truly um, a gift to be today to be here, so thank you. Well, I love gifts, so <laughs> it's a gift <laughs> here, and, not, and oh my God, it's great. I got to give a gift to somebody, and it didn't require delivery. <laughs> so, Marcella, I mean... Copy is so important to the world. I have a lot of people on that talk about books and things, but copy that we see it in marketing, in social media, in emails. How the heck did you ever get involved with this? You know, it's funny because I graduated from college. I was at the University of Chicago, and I graduated in the middle of a recession in 1987. And there was a company called FMW Publications, and they were recruiting on campus. And I was an English major, and they were recruiting writers. And I went to see what this was all about. Well, it turned out they were recruiting copywriters for what we used to call negative option 
book clubs. And I know you've had uh, Brian Kurtz on, so you know all about direct response advertising. And if you're as old as I am, you remember when books were sold through the mail before Amazon existed with these little catalogs, and you would get a book automatically every month. Well, I was hired to write the copy that would not only convince you to keep that month's book, but to hopefully buy several from the catalog that was included with the book. So really, copywriting saved me the last time there was a major recession like this. And in fact, um, I was one of the few graduates in my class who had a job before we even graduated, and, and that's when I moved to Cincinnati. So I feel very blessed to have discovered copywriting and that it has been one of the skills that has helped me endure for a long career now. I do remember those catalogs with the Book of the Month <laughs> clubs and, and all those that's other right. books by, by mail, and my dad and my mom used to order them a lot, and they used to have to pull them, the catalogs away from me because I wanted every book. <laughs> <laughs> well, they published, back then they published Writer's Digest books, which is still around, and then they had Northlight books and Graphic Artist Book Club. So I used to write about writing books and art books, both of which I love. So it was a real, it was a real treat to be able to do it. It's such a useful skill for everybody to understand how to write. And, you know, I've had so many people say to me, I don't know how to write, I never write. And I say to them, I get emails from you all the time. I see your social media posts. That's writing. Do you not pieces together that you have a choice to the words that you use and how you use them? And, and they don't think of, like, they think of writing as writing a letter or writing a book or writing an article. They don't think of social media as writing or emails as writing, yet it is, correct? So why, how oh, is it so important? Absolutely. You know, I think of writing, especially what we do, waiting someone to take an action, Right. And if you think about it, when you email your whole family and you try to convince them that, uh, let's say, Thanksgiving should be held at your house this year, or to convince them uh, that you should actually all go to the lake house in October, whenever you're trying to persuade, whether it's telling your friends you want to all go see a movie together, right, that is always copy that's just trying to get people to take an action and we use it in our words I mean I use it all the time with my teenager trying to convince him to do what I want him to do right like we're always persuading someone to do something or even to agree with our opinion if you think about it right right and so it's no different when you're writing copy either for yourself or for a client you're either trying to persuade someone to see the world the way that you see it, to take an action, to do something you want them to do. It's just sort of an innate tool that we all have to have to get along in this world. And it's not, it doesn't have to be seen as some ivory tower academic exercise that is only limited to poets and PhDs. Like all of us have those persuasive writing skills, and we probably use them 
as you said, far more than we realize, right? Far more than we realize. I want to ask a question that I've always wanted to ask somebody who does what you do for a living. <laughs> Lay it on me. Okay. <laughs> Is simpler better? In terms of copy? In terms of content? copy. In terms of the marketing. I mean, you see so many ends of the spectrum. You, you see pitches on email that seem like you're scrolling forever, and then you see other ones that are three lines that seem to be as effective, if not more effective. You see a, a small right. ad, and then you see big ads. What is more effective, or does it so, matter on the circumstance? So um, the answer is, of course, it depends. But there's a couple rules that you want to follow in terms of keeping it simple that go across just about everything. So one thing is you want one big idea, right? So sometimes we get so excited about a topic, we have about 56 different things we want to say, right? But what you really need is to frame that as one big idea. So even if you have, uh, say, four steps that you're going to take to something or seven steps to something, you still want it to be one big idea, right? And then those come underneath it. And so what I see happen is people try to have about 15 conversations with me in either one email, one sales pitch, uh, one Facebook post, and that doesn't work, right? So you want the power of one. So you need to be thinking of this as, um, I just think back to my seventh grade English teacher, right? And she used to have us always diagram our papers with this circle and spoke, right? Oh, so I hated the that. Main idea, you remember that, right? I so knew it. I was always so bad at it. So the main idea would go in the middle, and then these spokes would be sort of like, oh, there's three points about that thing. So in terms of keeping it simple, try to think what is the one thing that I'm trying to communicate with this. In terms of simple language, all of the studies show that if you can hit about a seventh grade level, that is the sweet spot for making it easy for us to consume. And when you think of how overwhelmed we all are now more than ever in the middle of a changing world, if you can use, and this is the, this is a key mistake people make, they think somehow if they write at a seventh grade level, it means they'll be dumbing things down or that they won't be able to clearly communicate. And I remember one of my mentors challenging me on this because I was, of course, protesting that there was no possible way I could describe arthritis in the knees without at least going to a 10th grade level or 12th grade level. And he rewrote it beautifully in the 7th grade level using shorter sentences, getting all the actions in the verbs, right, removing nominalizations, and it was so powerful, and the thing I got was how much easier it was to read his. I didn't have to stop and untangle a complicated sentence. I didn't have to pause to try to read back two paragraphs to figure out what he meant. It was just easy to consume. And so I think in terms of simple, you can, there's a lot of apps. Uh, you can use the Hemingway app will tell you what grade level. You can also use, there's uh, the Fleisch Kincaid 
Uh, readability statistics are right inside Microsoft Word, right? There's lots of ways that you can check this, but keep to one idea and try to keep your communication about a seventh grade level. And you are going to get so many more people, not only to read it, but then to take whatever action you want them to take. You can't make them work for it. Not today. Not today when we're so overwhelmed and information flies at us from a million directions. Does that kind of make sense, what I'm saying? It, it does. It does. And, and I'm working my way through what you, the last thing you said is don't make people work for it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm, I'm the power of one, the seventh grade level, one big idea per written conversation, and don't make people work for it. To me, it makes a lot of sense, yet I often get so many complicated pieces of marketing, even like an email of somebody asking me for help with something. And you can't even figure out what they're asking for. And then finally, at the end, there might be a line, I need your help. Yeah, right. couldn't figure it out through the other 400 or 200 or 100 words. You you still don't know what they need your help with. So how do you help people narrow it down? Well, I think that's another interesting point, which is, you have to, if you think of it as giving directions, right, you have to tell people exactly what you want them to do, and you have to repeat it and say it often. But here's the thing. You have to hold two thoughts in your mind, the thing that you want them to do, right? Why are you doing this? Are you trying to get them to uh, send in, let's say, a letter to their senator? Are you trying to get them to make a donation to a nonprofit? Are you trying to get them to buy your product? Are you trying to just get them to like and share your content or to comment on it? So you have your goal in mind, right? What you want to happen. But you must hold in your other hand equally what is in it for them. Why would they want to do this? Not not that it's wrong to just ask them to give out of the kindness of their heart, but really, what's in it for them? And it could be, you know, in the case of a nonprofit, that they believe in your mission, that what's in it for them is to feel like they are helping bring about significant change in the world about a cause that matters deeply to them. That is still answering the question, what's in it for them, right? But if you lose sight of the fact that no one owes you their attention, or you lose sight of the fact that you have to balance their self-interest with yours, then you can end up sometimes with these long, convoluted messages where you're not even sure what you're supposed to do, right? And then even if you are sure, you're not sure why you should bother to do that thing. So you have to hold those two thoughts at the same time, and you have to be really specific about the action you're asking for and give them a strong, compelling reason why they should take that action. I remember Brian Kurtz uh, used to we used to talk about this. If you read some of the old packages from Bottom Line from Boardroom and there's a little tear-out card that you were supposed to fill out, right? I remember those. I used to fill them out. <laughs> That's right. 
so most copywriters would maybe stop at something like, hey, there's a card enclosed, send it back. If they even went that far, because most of them would go, well, isn't it obvious? There's a, there's a tear-out card stuck in the middle. Isn't it obvious, right? The very best copywriters would say, between page 45 and 46, you'll find a card. Tear the card out. Double check that your address is correct. If not, please correct and fill in your right address. Put in your credit card number, your whatever, your whatever. Put it in the enclosed envelope. Put a stamp on it. Drop it in the mailbox to me, and I will do blank, right? They would literally walk the person through every single step to the point where they put that card in the mailbox. Because people, especially now, I would argue, want to be led. They want to be told what to do by someone who is an expert in their field and can offer a solution. Look at how much news we're consuming around this pandemic and around the virus, right? We are looking for people to give us information and then tell us exactly what to do so that we can get the outcome we want, which is, of course, to survive and have our loved ones survive. So I think you can't ever underestimate the need to give those kind of specific directions, telling them exactly what to do and how to do it, because you know what? We like it too. It makes it easier. I don't want to have to think and figure out what to do in the moment. I just want to get to the solution, right? I don't want to have to like do your work for you. I want to just get to the solution. And I think that's the sign of a really great copywriter is they're going to take you hands, hold your hand, take you all the way through the steps and tell you exactly what's going to happen and what you need to do and what they're going to do. It's, it's really interesting because, you know, when you say people want to be led by experts and you referenced everything that's going on right now and people are looking for, for leaders to, mm-hmm. to guide them, right? And what we see so much now in news, whether it's printed, whether it's social media news, whether it's verbal news on the TV or radio or whatever it may be, people are so confused because none of the messages seem to be the same. Mm -hmm. So you don't know who to believe. So are there Mm -hmm. ways to write your copy without lying right? Because we don't want that. Are there ways to write copy that lets you present yourself in a way that people know you're being authentic? I think it is both authenticity and credibility. Great. Me, yeah, I think those two go together. Um, So when I think about it, I want to know that that person maybe has background, has experience, has training, has knowledge, right? So I want the credibility piece. I want them to credentialize themselves to me. But I also want them to be authentic so that I can then trust them, trust the the way they are interacting with me, right? So you might start out by uh, listing, you know, this is so-and-so, she has a degree from here, she's an expert on this, she's been on these 
it'd be very similar to your introduction to the radio show, right? It is credentializing you to us as, an, as a trusted authority. So I think that's the first part. And there has been some interesting research that says, um, this is sort of one of my passions, that there's a big difference between how men and women credentialize themselves. And men are more likely, almost twice as likely as women, to use things like numbers, like to talk about impact on the bottom line, years in the industry, amount of money earned or raised, projects started, people they've trained and mentored. And women tend to use less, they call it uh, dimensionalizing content. We'll tend to just gloss over some of the specifics, and that hurts us. So that's just a little aside, but when you're credentializing yourself, you want to use those specifics and ground those specifics. Then so that's a perfect piece. The next question was going to be, have you noticed a difference? This is a two-part question in how men and women present themselves in their copy and how men and women read copy. You know, that's really interesting. I have not noticed as much in the copy as I have noticed in how they speak to me about their copy or their skills or their talents, right? So I wrote for years as a testosterone-driven option trader, right? That was the guru, uh, the expert that I wrote for in his name, and nobody suspected it was a nice Midwestern girl right, writing in this voice. And the opposite is true. I have a writing partner of mine who's a, I think he's 35-year-old, incredibly talented young man who has one of the strongest controls for a weight loss product for menopausal women, right? So there's, I have not seen a good copywriter does their homework. They can hit that voice if they're not the audience. They research the audience, right? So... Henry did a ton of research on menopausal women to the point where we were having the most hysterical conversations because they were, it was like therapy, right? They're telling them all this stuff. And I have talked to a whole bunch of option traders and understand their mindset. What I think is different is how the, the copywriters that I mentor talk to me about their skills and almost to a person, the younger men that I mentor are confident, they'll lead with numbers, they sort of present to me as, I'm talented, I'm brilliant, I'm hardworking, I can do anything. Like that is sort of like the way that they approach me. And women will often second guess, I mean, oh my God, I've had women say things to me like, I don't know if I can write for finance and uh, for financial newsletters. And I'll say, well, tell me a little bit about your background. And hand to God, they will say something like, well, I worked on Wall Street for 30 years. Like, that'll be their opening line. And, I'm like, <laughs> and yet they feel they can't write for that. Yes. That, okay, I get it. Because they'll feel like, but wait, I haven't finished every single copywriting course. I haven't, you know, if they're not 100% in their mind, 100% qualified, have taken every every course done, everything exactly perfect, they're not ready. A guy gets halfway through, you know, the first chapter of the first course and goes, I can figure this out. I got it. Right? Like, 
Oh, that's a perfect and, way to go into the national news because you certainly have me thinking a lot about everything you just right? said, Marcella. That is so perfect. All right, everybody, we're going into our national news break. I'm here with my amazing guest, Marcella Allison, one of the top copywriters in the country, maybe in the world, in my personal opinion. She's also the founder of Titanides, which is an organization dedicated to promoting female entrepreneurs, marketers, and copywriters. And when we come back, Marcella is going to talk about the changing scope of copy today and things you can begin to do to set your business up for success while helping other people have their own success. So we'll be right back with more from my show. It's all about the questions. Welcome back, everyone. I, I really hope you didn't miss the first half of the show if you're listening live. If you did miss the first half with the amazing Marcella Allison, one of the best copywriters I've ever encountered, she helps women and men all over the place. She's, let, she's written some of the largest um, sales campaigns ever, and for me, what she talked about in the first half of the show is so powerful, talking about how copy really can make a difference for our businesses. And she, some of the thoughts that we talked about have one big idea per written conversation um, right at the seventh grade level. Don't make people work for it. And hold two things in their thoughts what you want them to do, and what is in it for them. So those are just some of the things we talked about in the first half of the show when you're writing copy, when you're marketing to people. And remember, copy even means every little social media post you do, every email you send out. That is all copy that can help you and your business move forward and most often help your clients with what's going on in the world today. So you can catch that on podcast if you're listening live anywhere your favorite podcast platforms. If you're not sure where to uh, find it, please email me, laura at laurasteward.com, and I'm happy to help you. And I'd love to hear what you think of the show. So, Marcella, in the, during the break, you and I were having this awesome chat about one of the ways that people can be say they have never had to copy, write copy, right? The business just came to them, and now the world is changing. So they're like, I don't even know what my one big idea is, how to phrase that, how to frame that. Suggest, what are your thoughts on how people, you can help people do that? Well, you know, I did this exercise at a great copywriting conference I was at a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Copywriter Club in real life, and they had a speaker. Um, he is an amazing uh, consultant, speaker, uh, coach. His name is Mike Kim. And he gave us three questions that he uses to help people zero in on a personal brand, but I felt like they are so powerful that you can drill down and use them to just think about sort of who you are and what is your place uh, in the world, so to speak. What is the problem that you're trying to solve? And the three questions that Mike Kim gave are, what makes you furious? What breaks your heart? And what is the big problem you are trying to solve? So he had me do this exercise with the titanides, and I found myself getting so passionate just answering him, right? Because he was like, 
what makes you furious? And I'm like, when great women are overlooked, when they underestimate their talents, when they're not on stage, right? Like I just went on this rant. And then when he said, what breaks your heart? I went to when brilliant women question their own authority, when they can't even see their greatness. Like I just fell into this, right? And he's like, what is the big problem you're trying to solve? And that's where I could be like, I want more women to own their authentic authority. I want more women on stage. I want more women business owners, right, being held up. Like I just went right to where my heart is. So if you have a business, you desperately care about that business and you care about your customers. I mean, I know that is true of the folks who are listening today. So try that little exercise, right? What makes you furious? What breaks your heart? And what is the problem you're trying to solve? Because your business is in the intersection of those three things. And when Mike Kim mapped that out, I was like, wow, what a great way to connect your passion to your mission. And it's a lot of what I've been working with another great coach, Dr. Christy Lopez. And she says, you really have to start with who you are in the world and what is your mission in the world because then when you speak from that place, it goes back to what we talked about in the first half of the show, that authenticity, you hear it in someone's voice when they are tapped into that reason why, right? So a big idea can often come naturally out of that passion, and there's sort of a whole complicated conversation we could have about big ideas, like is it curious enough and is it new and is it big enough? And, and if you're in the copywriting world, like we spend months honing big ideas down. But if you're just starting out, if you're just starting out, I would say asking yourself those questions and trying to tap into that deeper mission helps you then form an idea that is in alignment with your purpose so that when you speak of it, you do speak of it with passion and with authority and with love. And I think that is what becomes so compelling right now. That is what people want to listen to in my mind right now. That whole idea of, of mission it, it really plays so well now. I, I started thinking about that in terms of what many businesses are seeing happen, like the restaurant industry. It is, mm -hmm. it is foundering. It's not even floundering. It's right. foundering um, right. so badly right now, and some of these small restaurants might, may not come back from it because they just can't afford to. And we've seen here in Vero Beach one restaurant close their doors and say, you know, we're not planning on coming back at the end of this. And they were probably struggling oh, prior. Right. But then I see other ones like Meg O'Malley's in Melbourne, um, Counterculture, one of my favorite restaurants, and The Tides, another one of my favorite restaurants, The Green Marlin. They have shifted their focus because their mission, right, is to feed, mm -hmm. to nourish people. Right. And they, they're doing their curbside and their takeout, but they're also um, – turning their stores into markets where mm. people, they have their suppliers. They're selling fish. They're selling 
uh, chicken and ground meat and produce and toilet paper because their oh mission. Oh, my God, I love it. I it, love it. Right? And I don't know if you're seeing that in Ohio, but I'm seeing it here. Not all restaurants, but the ones that seem to be connected to their mission of nourishing mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. They're saying, that. how can we nourish them now? So that's interesting because you and I were talking in the break about how, from a copy standpoint, how do we need to change our messages? Like what, you don't want to be tone deaf, right? Like you don't want to go out um, with a message that sounds like you have no idea what's going on in the world, right? Because as a reader, when you read that, you think, wow, did you like write that three months ago and just queued it up to go out, right? Or you think, are you living on, you know, a desert island somewhere and you have no idea what's going on in the world? So you don't want to be tone deaf, but you also don't want to write about coronavirus 24-7, seven days a week, because we're all overwhelmed with that, right? And I'm not sure that I want my local, um, I don't know, dry cleaner to tell me about the hospital overcrowding. Like, I'm like, there's, so how do you talk about it, recognize that we're in a new environment? And so one of the things I've been going back to is another great marketer, uh, Joe Polish, just absolutely brilliant marketer. I love him. Taught me. Love to have him on the show. I haven't been able to so far. <laughs> I will send him a message when we get off and I awesome. tell him that we were talking about him. I adore Joe. And one of the very first exercises that Joe ever taught was at a, a conference where I was leading some hot seat sessions. And at the end where we give copy critiques to everybody. And at the end, Joe said, I'd like to do uh, an exercise with everyone. And Joe taught us to do give, ask, and gratitude. And to give is something that you can offer the other people in your community. An ask is something that you need help with. And a gratitude is exactly what it means, like a gratitude that you're sharing for the community. And when you were talking about these restaurants, that is a perfect opportunity. So, for example, and I'm just sort of doing this on the fly here with you, let's say uh, there's a lovely little Italian restaurant, right? And they're going to send out an email Um, or make a social media post, right? The give could be, hey, we're so sorry, right, that that you're quarantined at home. Here is a simple four-step, I don't know, lasagna or five-ingredient pasta from my great-great-aunt in the old country. That's a give, right? Like, you can make it with ingredients you've already got on hand. This is very simple. It tastes delicious. It's nourishing, um, I don't know, maybe throw in it has tomatoes, helps, helps with antibodies, whatever, right? But give, the, lead with the give, a recipe. An ask might be during these challenging times, you know, we're all trying to uh, stay in business. We really want to support our employees. Your ask could be, um, like you said, if they have a pop-up store or they have drive-through, right? So, we would love it if you could lean on us at this time. We'd like to keep feeding you. And ask could be maybe you set up a fund to help your employees. I've seen that with another small restaurant, right, where they just set up a GoFundMe fund to try to keep their payroll going. 
So that would be your ask. And then you end with a gratitude, expressing your gratitude for all of the clients who have come into your restaurant over all these years and how much you appreciate them. So you could do an email, a Facebook post, uh, a little video using that formula uh, from Joe of a give and an ask and a gratitude. And it's very powerful because you're leading with generosity. And I will say across the board, that is one thing I have seen, especially in my industry lately, where um, some of the biggest folks in my industry, Kevin Rogers, Abby Woodcock, they're all leading with generosity. They're offering free trainings. They're setting up funds for freelancers. They're um, providing something for free. But the ask is equally important because you can, um, there's a, that amazing book by Adam Grant called Give and Take, where he says, you don't want to be a completely selfless giver because you can burn out, right? You can run out of money, time, energy. You want to be what he calls an otherish giver, meaning, again, balancing your own self-interest with the interest of your clients. So it is great to lead with generosity, but I see people terrified to then make an ask. But the truth is you have something that people need, something that can help them in this environment. You can ask for them to purchase that. You're going to lead with generosity. So we just... Um, in my business, we launched a course last week on building your authentic authority. We led with an hour and a half of free training that anyone could join. We gave it as a generosity. We gave away handouts. We had conversation. We had writing. But I still made an ask at the end that if people wanted to continue with the training, there would be this five-week course. So I wasn't I wasn't afraid to ask, and I know that not everybody can do it in this time frame, but I know that it's incredibly important to have women building their leadership skills right now. So I made the ask, and then I ended with generosity and gratitude for everyone in my community, for everyone who's supporting each other and participating. So I think that is just an elegantly simple way that you can construct a message right now that will land, not feel tone deaf, especially if it's connected to your mission. You know, so mine is to elevate more female leaders, entrepreneurs in my internet marketing world. So it's landing with my mission. And so just like the restaurant example I gave, I think there isn't a business in your listening audience that we could not do a give and ask and a gratitude for and build that message. I, I know that there is not one that we couldn't pull this off with. There's a restaurant in Sebastian Giuseppe's, uh, an Italian restaurant, and what I thought was interesting was they have been posting on social media a build-your-own-pizza kit. Oh, because, I love it. Because some people yeah. are afraid of takeout because they think it may be infected, right? Right. Right, with good reason. Right, they yeah, gotcha. said that cooking gets rid of the virus, so they're providing right. the dough already made, the toppings. Mm, the I love it. Instructions, I and love you it. Get it home with your family. And they're and sharing recipes. Captain Hiram's here is a place that's known for their bands and their music and their cocktails, and they've been posting, giving away uh, their drink recipes for ah. the. I love it. Right. 
I love it. I love it. All right, so I love this whole idea of the give, ask, gratitude. And any business, it really seems like, can reflect this very Mm – I'm not going to use the word easily because for some people this comes hard. But to have right, a- and they might have to sit and brainstorm, right? You might have to sit down with your team and brainstorm. I mean, I love the idea of the pizza kit. I love the, like, what can we give? And then don't be afraid to still ask, right? You're, right. They're going to pay for the pizza kit, but you're giving it in terms of providing a solution that they need with a recipe. I love it. Right. It's, I, I love, it's so brilliant. You really called it down to the essentials, Marcella, which is, oh, I just, well, that's why you are who you are, right? Oh, thank you. Well, I give full credit. I am very lucky to have some very brilliant mentors, as you can tell on this call, and I, I like to give a lot of credit to them, but I will, I will take, um, I will take credit for taking the coaching and learning and making it my own. So it's, uh, it's always, I always feel like in this industry and exactly with what you're doing here that we all stand on the shoulders of giants. And so what we do is we learn from our mentors and then I believe we have an obligation to turn around and to teach it to others who need it just as you're doing on this podcast. And I think that that um, matters more now than it ever has before. Which leads to, I want to make sure we get this in before the end of the show. You created Titanides. I mean, you have your mm-hmm. company, Poppy Harvest, but you founded Titanides, which is an organization dedicated to promoting female entrepreneurs, marketers, and copywriters. Talk about that and, and how people can find out about it and why it's so important, because you have tons of stats on how important it is for women to have women-only groups? Yeah, it was, you know, I kind of always knew that myself, but to actually see the research uh, was shocking, even to me, even knowing what was coming. So it's uh, to find out more information about our mission, you can go to T-I-T-A-N-I-D-E-S dot com. I jokingly say it's Titan and the Ides of March. (laughs) Okay. But the piece of research I think that drew this home the most to me was in the Harvard Business Review, and they looked at men and women and how we network, just like, you know, we're doing on the show, right? We're connecting people to other people, right? This is what is critical. So they looked at men and women, and of course they assumed that the most successful people would have a central network with a lot of other well-connected peers, which then you know, it becomes like a spider web. You're going out from your web to millions of other webs. But what they realized is if men and women had all the same credentials, they had sort of all the same kind of central to a network of connected people, and it was co-ed, the women did worse unless they had a second women-only inner circle. And if they did that, if they had the second women-only inner circle, they landed jobs with more authority and 250% better pay. Because in this environment, women need women to succeed. And so 
part of our mission in the Titanites is to make, to create a powerful women-only network inside uh, the internet marketing and direct response worlds, right, where we have entrepreneurs and marketers and copywriters all supporting each other. Because as we said at the start of the call, what we're learning is women have different challenges, different struggles. So when we're doing a course on female authority, it's women only, and it's geared to what the research shows are the mistakes that women make when credentializing themselves that then shoot themselves in the foot. So my passion is to not, this is not some bra-burning, man-hating mission. This is a mission of saying, look, there's some key differences, and if we want to level the playing field, we have to look at those, and we have to talk about uh, what we might want to do differently like use numbers when talking about our experience, you know, like some simple things like that. And that's what I'm on a mission to try to to change, to teach, to grow, to share, because what I want to see is all women rising, succeeding, equal in their field for the experts that they are. And how do people find out about all these different things that you've been talking about, Marcella. I'd love for people to be able to reach out to you if they have questions from the show today, they're interested in the mentoring. Um, you mentioned a course that you Oh, yeah. Of, and I'm going to so, give links to all of this in the post when, it, oh, when I post you. up the show. But let's share well how people can reach you. So if... Uh, if there's any women listening who would like to work with myself and Dr. Christy Lopez on this whole issue around authority, authentic authority, you can go to titanides.com slash expert. So T-I-T-A-N-I-D-E-S dot com slash expert. If you just want information, not just, but if you want information on our mission in the Titanides, you can just go to titanides.com. And if you have any questions for me or want to be connected to any of the resources I mentioned, I'm more than happy to uh, connect you to all of those resources. And that is Marcella, M-A-R-C-E-L-L-A, at TightenEyes.com. And just shoot me an email, tell me the thing you're looking for, and I'm more than happy to connect you. And in their email to you, they should remember all the things you talked about. Be clear, right? Don't make people work That's for right. it. Don't make you That's work right. for it. Now you're totally, now they're all frozen. They're like, oh my God, I can't write her an email. I have to make sure it follows all these rules first. Tell me grade level. How am I going to do all this? Well, I, I guess the easiest way to, would be they send you an email saying, I heard you on Laura's show. I'm frozen. Help. <laughs> yes. Right, there you go. There you go. S-O-S in subject line, right? S-O-S in subject line. We've just written the email for everybody to reach out to you for help. That's right. That's right. Uh, One of my first mentors, Paris Lampropoulos, used to make us do this. Like, we would have to rewrite our emails so that they went to the point. They told them what we wanted and said why it was in his best interest to do that thing. And now it's just a habit, right? I find I do it all the time. It was it was terrific, and I and his emails are just like a little micro lesson in copy, you know, so I've learned how to do it, uh, which is a great skill to have with teenagers and family members, let me just say. 
Uh, a friend of mine, John David Mann, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's written several New York Times best-selling books. Mm-hmm. He's, he's also a, a ghostwriter and a co-writer, and he's written books on his own with Bob Berg. Um, the Go-Giver is one of their most famous books. Oh, and, I love it. Uh, and when John would send me emails, I, I like just I delayed reading them until I had a moment to truly savor them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because these emails were just works of art right? amongst themselves. Yeah. And I'd go, I can't do what you do in an email, but I'm just, just keep the emails coming because I'm loving it. <laughs> right, right. I know, I know. I, you know, that's another little tip that I'll leave you with, which is um, there was some lot, there was, incredible content at this conference that I was at and a lot of people saying, you know, what makes for a good post, what makes for a good email. And we had this fascinating conversation um, with Laura Belgray, who has a, another great resource for writers at Talking Shrimp. And Laura Belgray was saying, look, it's great to tell a story. People love stories, but you have to also tell them what is the lesson or the point of the story. So you want to be both entertaining and teaching, right? So that's the last thought. (laughs) I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. And everybody who's listening, remember, lead with kindness today. Don't worry if you don't get it right the first time. Just do your best. Let us know how we can help. Let Marcella know. Reach out to me at laura at laurastewart.com. I'm here to help. Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.